0: This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Iadell, and today's episode is It's Time to Kill Yourself. Now I know, just the title itself of this episode is going to elicit response in you. I did that twofold. I did it one because I want you to listen. That's part of how this works. In the marketing arena, I would call that a hook. I need something to hook you in to make sure you listen to this episode. Talking about killing yourself is something that brings that up. But what's more important is the message behind it. And I want to preface this with on the front side, I don't really want anybody to physically go out and cause bodily harm to yourself or to others. So if you're hoping for some sort of potential suicide uh, instructional lesson here, you're going to miss out. You probably just want to turn it off right now. That's the opposite of what this is. My entire life, up until two months ago, I had created stories for myself, much like many of you. Stories of, I'm not good enough. The story of, I'm not good enough, admittedly, was deep-rooted from my relationship with my father. See, my only remembrance of my father, other than us getting along at a very young age, were us not getting along. I remember him working incessantly, not being around. When he did come around, he would drink. He would be an asshole. He would be abusive physically and mentally to myself, not so physical with my mother and my sister, but just the way it was. And not for nothing that was the story that started to create my formative years into early adolescence and adulthood. One of my most distinct memories is coming back off the football field as a senior in high school. I was a best an average athlete. Had okay speed, had okay quickness and hands and vertical ability. But I graduated high school at my height, you know, 6'1", 6'2", and maybe 175 pounds. I wasn't God's gift to athletics in any stretch of the imagination. But I also didn't, in hindsight, I didn't put in the work to make it happen. I hated the gym. I liked football because I liked what it was for the camaraderie of the, the team atmosphere. But I didn't like the two-a-days. I didn't like getting hit. I sure as shit didn't like hitting people. It's just never my thing. And so, senior year, homecoming game. So everybody's there. We, of course, on a homecoming game, play a very subpar team. It was Vermillion, for those of you that know Ohio. Uh, Not exactly a perennial powerhouse in Division II high school football at that time. And we play them, and we jump out to a pretty early lead. So I end up playing a large portion of the game. I was not a starter on defense, I don't believe. Not most of the time. Maybe some of the time. And I played almost the whole game. And in playing the whole game, I had three interceptions. One return for a touchdown. Phenomenal game for me. Best game of my life by far. And I'm excited. You know, we blow them out. It wasn't even close. It was really embarrassing for them. But for us, we crushed it. Like, it's an emotional high. Like, Friday night, under the lights, get off the field. Everybody's celebrating, especially my friends, because it's unlike me to have that good of a game. Get off the field. See my father there. See him on the sidelines. And I'm, I'm like, it's not even dawning on me that there could be anything more than just positivity here. And the only thing I remember him saying, he might have said congratulations. He might have loved every minute of it. He could have said an incredible amount of great things to me. But the only thing I can fucking remember him saying to me was that you should have had one more. You missed an interception in the, in the third quarter. Why didn't you catch that one? Now, here I am with three interceptions in a game and the amount of yards returned. At that point, I set our high school's record, get interviewed by the newspaper. Really crazy shit for me. Stuff that's not part of my normal life. Stuff has never happened since. But in that, I now am realizing that it's not even good enough for my dad then. And that carried on all the way into Warrior Week. For what new listeners, Warrior Week is a in depth, fully immersed week spent in Laguna Beach with Garrett White and the guys from Wake Up Warrior. And they help you eliminate a lot of these things and it's pretty physical and it's very, very mental. And it was it empowered me to start to kill that old me. Like I killed myself on the on the beaches of Laguna. When I came home, I was not the same person. I'll be damned if I ever go back to that fucking person. But I had to kill myself first. And the first version I had to kill was the fact that I'm not enough. Just because it was ingrained in me from a young age that my grades weren't enough, that my athletic ability wasn't enough, that I wasn't attractive enough. Like there were these things that if I go back and really look at it, like I get why I thought that. Society put that in me. My family put that in me. No one built me up. Like nobody came on the backside to make sure that I was still growing and developing. Like it was literally just the things I wasn't doing enough of. And it's wild. Like that's the thing that, that limits the majority of us men in my opinion. Is our fathers not being around, or our mothers being too coddling, or society telling us we're not enough, and it just keeps compounding itself until we decide to fix it and fucking kill ourselves. Because that old, that young person in you, that adolescent that needs coddled, that one that you need to travel back in time in your mind and sit next to after your father's done scolding you, and take him under your arm and look him in the eye and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to be a phenomenal human being 20 years from now. Just watch. And you can go back and start to have conversation with yourself to reframe how you view the world. But you can't do that until you're willing to kill yourself. Same thing with my relationship with steroids. Again, my entire upbringing, I was a late bloomer. I don't even think I had to shave until my senior year of high school. I certainly didn't have the way with ladies. I've shared that with you guys before. I didn't have my first kiss till going into my senior year, and the girl had to be paid. A bunch of guys sat around a room, got together the change and the dollars I had in their pockets, and I think it was just a little bit over 11 bucks. That's what she got paid to kiss me in front of these other 11 men. Like That was my youth. And so with that being my youth, and that framing the way that I viewed my body, because all these women, all these girls at that point, were attracted to the older, more mature-looking men. You enter into college, same thing. It's the athletes. It's the older, more attractive, more masculine-looking men. And here I am looking like a boy still. I'm 18, barely shaving. Can't say that my voice has dropped all that much. And one thing leads to another, and I end up taking being offered and take my first round of anabolic steroids. Now, I didn't consciously put together the pieces that that's why I was doing it. I was doing it because I wanted to get bigger. So I figured, shit, I'm tired of being the small guy. Like, I don't need to be the biggest guy. but I'm tired of being the 6'2 string bean that's 175 pounds. And so I started down that path. It was 18 when I started. Fast forward to 33, and I'm still taking steroids really fucking consistently. Like, the four years I'd been with Lindsay at that point, I don't know that I'd ever taken more than four weeks off. For those of you that know anything about anabolics, it was everything from testosterone to Tremblone acetate, Dianabol, Mastron, Winstrol, Anivar, If you can name something, I wanted to try it. I wanted to understand the chemical compound, create a stack with it, and see how it would affect my body. That's how I lived. And no, through that, fortunately, I didn't have some of the crazy responses that most people think happen. Like I never flipped out on anybody. I never hit Lindsay. Didn't have a bunch of acne. Still have all the hair on top of my head. Definitely have some testicular atrophy. But that's just life. I admit to laugh about that all the time. I will guarantee you, if your testicles look smaller, it makes your dick look bigger. It's just science. And that's just the way it works. Small, small, small balls, big dick, even if it's not true. Not a good reason to use steroids, but a byproduct. But I had convinced myself from 18 until 33 that the only way I could be big and the only way I could be known is if I injected myself with steroids to keep my size. And I actually went and convinced myself that if I wasn't walking around at 300 pounds with defined abs, that I would be less than enough. That was the story. I told Lindsay that from almost the first day we met her, that my goal was to be 300 pounds with abs. Now think about that. When I started down this path, I was 175 pounds. My height didn't grow at all. I'm not occupying more vertical space on the planet, just more horizontal space. Well, I know now that's taxing my liver, kidneys, heart, all my organs. Like That's part of how this stuff works. I was not diligent with blood work. But here I am deciding to kill that old me. That story and that version of who I was had to die. And not like a passive easy death. Like a bloody, torturous, throw you in the meat grinder or the wood chipper and throw you out the back door. Like that's how that person had to die. Same thing, unfortunately, when it came to women. You know, I'm sharing this as Lindsay's in the studio right now and it's really interesting. Probably never really grasped this until this exact moment. Because I didn't have my way with women whatsoever, didn't have girlfriends, didn't have anything. Also didn't have a great relationship with my mother. At 14, she told me I was on my own and had to raise myself. So when I start to mature, and eventually get the, get the attention of women, I'm enamored with it in the moment. It matters. But over time, I don't really care because I'm waiting for that woman to eventually walk out because my mother walked out. And in that walking out, it's wild. Like I put no stock in the relationship. And so there's fear of hurting that woman because I saw my parents argue all the time and I didn't like the way that felt. I, they argued so much I used to have to go to the doctor because they thought I had ulcers, I was physically ill all the time from being nervous of them fighting. So I go from that part of my life into dating women and having, so I, I don't like confrontation is what I'm saying. Like this creates a new version of me that's not a healthy version that avoids collisions. So here I am as a man into my early 20s, late 20s, early 30s that is afraid to death of collision because it makes me sick to my stomach, that doesn't put a tremendous amount of value on female interaction at that time because I'm waiting for them to leave, and that thinks that because of my success in industry after industry in sales, that I know I can sell my way through anything. So I think worst case scenario is I get caught, I'm gonna sell my way through this shit, it doesn't even really matter. And it does matter. Because if I look back for some odd years ago, three and a half, four years ago, those decisions in that mindset could have cost me the tremendous amount of happiness I have today with Linda and Gianna being the most important things in my life. But the old me that had to die, the old me that is dead, didn't see that shit. The old me looked at Lindsay as a great woman, attractive, funny, charismatic, great mother, all the things I was looking for, but it was just another person, like waiting for her to leave. Like waiting to push her away and just have her be like, fuck you, I'm out. And she had every right to. She should have. But she didn't. And when she didn't, that old me started to die. Didn't all the way die, but started to. So i like, holy shit, I've pushed this woman to the brink of... Lunacy with how badly I've treated her, and she's certainly not a doormat. I mean, she's fucking purebred Italian, like, there's no doormat to her, but she stuck through it with me because she saw th- something in myself that I couldn't see, and so I had to eventually kill that motherfucker. I had to put a shotgun to his head and blow his fucking brains out because what I have now can never come back. The old me can never rear his ugly head. And that can't happen if I'm not willing to destroy who that person was. Same thing when it comes to business. You know, in every business, all I cared about was the money. Like, how quickly can I make money? And then from that money, what can I buy with it? Whether it was selling cars, how quickly can I climb the ladder? I didn't care if I was climbing on people's backs, backstabbing, kicking them in the knees to make sure they fell down. All this, of course, is metaphorical, but... Nonetheless, at what was happening, I didn't give a shit about people. I cared about the money. I cared about the success. I didn't care if I had to bend the truth or even outright lie as long as I couldn't get caught. That was the man that I was. That was the man that was ingrained in me. And sure, I can track that back now and realize the fact instead of having hard conversations because I had been predisposed, at an early age to avoid confrontation so that carries on into the professional world as well like, I don't want to have tough conversations about the fact that your Chrysler Pacifica is front wheel drive not all wheel drive so when you ask I tell you it's all wheel drive and sure I can go back and say I didn't really know but I fucking knew I knew damn well it wasn't all wheel drive and this particular situation I'm talking about happened in Mansfield a couple Melanie and Eric Beck remember it like yesterday Sold them a car, made a bunch of money on it, super happy. Everybody's high five when they leave, and I'm like, fuck, I know I did something wrong here. Five months later, they call the dealership. It's snowing out, and our car won't make it up the hill. I think our all-wheel drive's broke. Can we bring it in? Sure, bring it in. Bring it in, the service rider comes out to the front, grabs myself, the sales manager sits us down, and say, this, this specific that they think is all-wheel drive, it's not all-wheel drive. It's not what it is. And they look at me, and I'm sure I came up with some sort of fucking story. I'm sure I lied about it. Eventually, I told the truth, but I'm sure in the moment, back against the wall, I lied about it. Fortunately, all's well that ends well. In that situation, I was able to find literally the exact same mile, the exact same equipment, the exact same color, and all-wheel drive, and we're able to do a VIN swap inside of the bank, which, to the best of my knowledge, the only time that has ever happened is in this particular situation where we took their car in, we switched the VINs on the paperwork, they re-contracted everything, and none of it mattered. What mattered was, though, I was a fucking liar. And that carried on in my life all the way through. Until the day came that I decided to fucking kill that person. And so this entire episode, although it started out with such a shocking hook to get you to listen really ends up being about self-growth and exploration. We all have things about ourselves that we don't like. Traits we're not proud of. Habits we wish we didn't have. But they all can be destroyed. Like, you can kill that person tonight if you want to. You know, Fortune Wake Up Warrior, they've really put together some phenomenal pieces of this puzzle to create events that are Tangible. And one of those events that's been the most impactful for me is to go around and collect items around my house that reminded me of the person that I didn't want to be any longer. And then take those things and put them in a box, put them in a shoebox. And write notes about what each one of them are and what the significance is. Maybe you're addicted to porn and you have a bunch of porn DVDs laying around and you got to grab one of those and put them in the box. Like I'm addicted to porn and I'm disgusted with myself because I have a beautiful wife or I want more than this out of life. Maybe for me it's, it's anabolics. So I take a, a steroid, a bottle of steroids or a needle and throw it in the box. Like fuck this, I, I'm better than this. And you take all these things, like think deep, like go deep. This is not surface level shit. You take it and you put it in this fucking box. And then you tell those people that are near and dear to you, the people that matter to you, what you're doing. That you've decided to make a change in your life. That you want something more than you had yesterday. And so you're taking all the things that used to self-defeat. You're taking all the things that were the old you. And you're putting them in a box and burying them because they're fucking dead. And that's what we did. And admittedly, that, that thing never goes away. We did it not only when we started Warrior Week, but just last weekend, the timetable. And that's 10 weeks difference. And I still had stuff to find and bury. That thing's never going to go away completely. There's always going to be new things. There's always new growth, new expansion to overcome. So as you sit there and you think about your own life, like where is it that you need to kill yourself? What version of you do you no longer want? Do you know that doesn't serve you? Maybe it's the people pleaser that just says yes to everything, even though you don't want to do fucking any of the stuff you commit to. Maybe it's a version of you that has a horrible association with food that you think you have to eat all the time when you know damn well you don't have to. Maybe you think you're not good enough to have a committed relationship, to have a woman or man actually fall in love with you because of some crazy shit that went on in your life. Dumb stuff you've seen, bad things you've heard, life experiences you've had, that you have a tough association with love. It is a fucking story. You can kill that person and grow. And the greatest part about all this is when you start to finally kill that person, put them to bed, bury them. Every day you can go out and tackle the world and you can start to see things in a different light. And when you start doing that day over day, You see that you end up getting shit done. Hey guys, Ryan here. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume audio and subscribe to 15 Minutes to Freedom. If this brought you value, please do me a favor and drop me a five-star rating. Then share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. For additional content, head over to RyanNidell.com. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L dot com.